tell you a little bit about our next guest. Our next guest, who has bravely allowed us to interview him, his name is Shay. And Shay actually is an all-world ranked triathlete. He's a former black bear researcher, burn survivor. He has scars on over 65% of his body, and yet he's still managed to run a successful business. He's a best-selling author, and he's a sought-out motivational speaker. We're going to learn a lot about his story today, and specifically the moments in his mind where he made the decision to not adapt the narrative of the things outside of his constraints. So, Shay, welcome so much to the show. Well, thank you. It's an honor to speak to your community here. Yeah, yeah. So let's back up because there may be some people who do not necessarily know who you are. Can you explain a little bit more about who you are and what you do for us? Absolutely. So my name is Shay Eskew, 46 years old, uh, competed in 13 triathlon world championships, been ranked top 1% in the world the past five years. Uh, Former wrestler, got inducted into the Hall of Fame under the Medal of Courage designation. Uh, currently the Chief Development Officer for Kimberton. We are a healthcare technology-enabled services company focused on workers' comp and motor vehicle accidents. But most importantly, I'm a husband of 17 years, father of five under 14. Jeez, that's just, you know, like, here's what I'm hearing. Above mediocre. (laughs) I mean, you've got that rap sheet and like there's not one part of that that isn't impressive. And on the show consistently, we usually talk about, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And it sounds like you're always striving to be the best in the room at what it is you do and to constantly improve. Is that at all close or how would you equate all of the success in all the different areas? 100%. I believe anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And I tell people, I only pick things that I think I can be the best. I don't want to do anything half-assed. If I'm in, I'm all in or not at all. And so, you know, I realize I only have so much time. And so I try not to commit to things unless I can blow it out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's powerful in itself, too, because, you know, as a lot of the people, as, as you're driving to work or you're doing your thing today we all have decisions we have to make where it's like, are we deciding to go all in or is this just something we want to test the waters in? And it's so incredibly relevant, especially with, I don't dare say the market and COVID, right? Um, Cause by the time this airs, you know, it might be, hopefully we're on the, the swing of things on the positive swing of things. And yet there's so many people as we're hunkered down, we have to make those decisions on which parts of our lives we need to go all in on. Can you tell me about a time when you were faced with a decision where you didn't know if it was the path you wanted to take or not. Well, you know, I think as far as the path you want to take, it was probably two and a half, uh, two years and four months ago, I was in the most lucrative compensated job I've ever been in. Um, I was senior vice president, you know, for sales, um, had a huge pipeline, um, known throughout the country, yet I didn't feel fulfilled. I was getting bored, kind of felt like I had mastered the trade and just really was no room for personal growth. I had spent some time talking to my CEO about where do you see me in the growth of this company? We had recently been acquired as well. And he said, Shay, you know, I honestly see you just doing what you're doing, at least for the next five years. And I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah. So I quit. I walked away from that job. And I took a role with the, the company I'm at now, Kimberton. 
because I wanted to be in a sales leadership role. I wanted to not only practice what I've been doing, but I wanted to teach others. I wanted to prove that what I had been doing for the past eight years could be replicated. And to me, it means one thing when you can do it, but it means something more when you can teach others how to do it. And so I walked away from a very lucrative job for a new challenge, a chance to reinvent myself. And quite honestly, I was scared. You know, I, I came home and talked to my wife. I said, babe, here's what I want to do. And she's like, are you crazy? Are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, absolutely. Babe, I've done my research. I've talked to people that know me. This is absolutely the right thing to do. And she thankfully said, look, I trust you emphatically. I know you would never put us at risk. If you're telling me you can do this and be successful, but more importantly, be happy do it. So I did it. And honestly, it was the best decision I've ever made. My career has taken off. The company has taken off. The company I was with, I don't know where they're going to be in the next couple of years. And it's amazing how many other doors have opened. But I think it also sends a signal internally that, hey, look, I'm willing to take the risk. I believe in myself. I'm willing to make the the bet that so many people aren't willing to make. I know so many people that said, yeah, I've always wanted to do X. And I'm always like, well, why didn't you do it? Well, because if it didn't work out, then what? I was like, but what if it did work out? What kind of life would you have? Me, I'm the kind of person that I would rather say I went for it and it didn't work out. But I had the satisfaction of knowing I didn't play it safely, that I didn't stay in a job I was miserable in just for a paycheck. How many people can do that, right? And that's the way I've lived my whole life. When I got into Ironman racing, you know, I didn't want to just finish. I wanted to be competitive. And then I went on and decided to hire a former world champion to be my coach because I said, look, I'm not happy just being top 5%. I want to be top 1%. And so to me, that's kind of the way I live my life. It's, I set my goals, and then I identify what resources do I need to have to help me achieve them. So good. And there's a lot of things you said that really resonate. So one of the things that we talk about is there's this entire concept. It's called Cartesian doubt. And have you have you heard of this? I've heard of it, but I won't. Well, you, you that just I did it. So it's, it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, you just did it. So it was absolutely perfect. But Cartesian doubt is a way of getting out of your own mind and into the mind of perspective. And whenever you're faced with indecision, you know, you can say, well, what if I did it? What if I didn't? You know, and it's just those two different sides. And it gets very, very deep off that. But I love that when you were faced with that decision, you know, you're like, well, what if I did? What if I didn't? And then you found the support and you basically went out and you after you had the support, you checked with your gut because there's this principle where it's like success isn't necessarily monetary. Success actually comes from how comfortable you are in trusting your gut. I mean, I've, I've never trusted my gut and wish I didn't, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so you trusted your gut. Then you did the resources and you made sure that everything was in alignment. You got support from loved ones. And then you went out and you modeled somebody and learn from somebody who was doing exactly what it was that you wanted to do to hit that next level. I want to go a little deeper, though, with one of the things that you had mentioned, because it hit me differently. Okay. What was the fear 
the fear, I mean, there's a couple things, you know, having five kids and in case you're wondering, they're not cheap and they get more expensive as they get older. I you thought know, they I were thought, totally affordable to have five kids. You know, <laughs> I, I was buying diapers for 11 years straight. So I was happy to quit buying diapers, but it was wondering, will I make enough money to keep providing the same standard of living we've become a used to? Because honestly, as we made more money, we started enjoying a little nicer things. We took nicer vacations. We did some renovations in my home. But then as I started evaluating that fear, I thought back to 2008 when the big recession hit. Mm-hmm. We lost our home foreclosure. Uh, there's a lot of details around that, but we had to move in with her mother. We had four kids under six living with her mother. I was making 65000 a year and absolutely miserable. And I'll never forget the moment when I was out with a couple of my fraternity brothers having a few drinks. And one of them made a comment to me, said, Shay, life must be pretty tough. You're driving an eight-year-old car living with your mother-in-law. How does that feel? And I'll never forget it. I looked at him. I said, Todd, you know what? I'm okay with this because this is temporary. I know what it takes to get back on top, and I'm going to be there. And I went home that night, I looked in the mirror, and I said, look. And I pointed at myself, I said, quit making excuses. Make the decisions you've been putting off. Rip the Band-Aid off and start tomorrow. And I did. And it took me a year. I doubled my income. I tripled it again in two years, and then just went up from there. But it was really having that break-it moment. You know, with a buddy of mine standing outside the pub looking at my used car. Mm. Where do you think confidence comes from? You know, for me, it was, you know, getting severely burned as an eight-year-old. Disfigured, my right ear had to be amputated. My right arm was physically melted to my body. It took three years to lift my arm up. Had to learn how to write left-handed just to finish the third grade. Had to learn how to walk again. Was told I'd never play sports again. My entire life, I've carried a chip on my shoulder. My people always tell me what I couldn't do. And I tell everybody, if you really want to get me fired up, tell me there's something I can't do. And I promise you, I will spend every waking moment trying to figure out how to prove you wrong. And I will do whatever it takes. And so for me, it was just, as a kid, you know, people started calling me Freddy Krueger. I'd get made fun of all the time. I'd go home and look in the mirror, and I saw that same monster in the mirror looking back at me. I really thought I looked like Freddy Krueger. And then after a period of months of literally crying myself to sleep, I finally said, you know what? This is the new you. This is as good as you're going to get. You just need to accept these scars embrace them. And so when I went back to school and those same kids would say, Hey, Freddie. And if you know the story, I would look back and say, yes, I will see you in your dreams tonight. Oh, boom. I love that. It's just one of those things that, you know, over the years as a kid, as people would come up and say, Hey, where's your ear? And I'd say, Oh my God, where is it? I had it a few minutes ago. Can you help me find it? (laughs) I've had people come up to me. I mean, even recently, like, what happened to your arm? Because I have a big 
chunk of my arm missing. And I said, you're not going to believe this, but I actually got attacked by a shark. <laughs> I was out there waist deep looking for sand dollars. And a shark came up and grabbed me. Thank goodness my dad was with me and was able to retrieve me. And so you just start learning. These are the things that kind of built confidence for me over the years. I realized that unlike others, I couldn't rely on physical beauty. I couldn't rely on my intelligence. I just had to rely on grit and perseverance. And I've realized that as an athlete, if there was ever a sport that required all-out effort, last man standing, whoever had the highest pain threshold wins, those were sports I excelled in. Again, very successful wrestling career, inducted Hall of Fame, three-time boxing champion in college. And it wasn't because I was a great athlete. It's because I was a great competitor. Mm-hmm. I was willing to go harder and further than most people. Yeah. And it's interesting. You said, you know, like, I, I forget the exact wording you had used, um, but you couldn't rely on your beauty or something. For Shark, let's think, just Google him. Like, he's not, he's not atrocious looking at all. Um, <laughs> there's no politically correct to say that. Um you know, it's interesting. We have uh, John O'Leary on the show, too. I'm not sure if you're familiar with who he yeah, is. Yeah, I know John. Yeah, such a sweetheart of a man. And he's such an inspiration to me. And on our show, we were actually talking. And Sharks, you have to go back and listen because it's such a powerful moment, too. And I was like, John, can I just get the elephant out in the room? And I was so nervous that he was going to hate me for this question. But I go, do you realize you don't look like everybody else? <laughs> and then I talked to you and I was like, no, guys, like Shay's got it going on. We, we can just own that. So it's so funny. And I love what you're saying, too, about where confidence comes from. And what I'm hearing is that it's a total reframe for you. I remember, you know, having cystic fibrosis and well, I mean, I still have it, right? Like everybody, you don't get rid of it until you die. And um you know, I remember everybody would always ask me like, oh, are you contagious? Are you contagious? And that was the big thing that I was teased on. And if I didn't like them, I would just cough on them and say yes. <laughs> By the way, CF's not contagious. I'm just rude. Um, so it was always just such an interesting thing. And that's where I learned how to kind of own that power. In one of your bios, one of you know the, the long, impressive bios, I read this thing about how you talk about embracing the suck. And that is a common theme of this. Can you elaborate on what embracing the suck means specifically to you? Yeah. So I firmly believe that once you just acknowledge life is going to be hard, it's going to throw challenges your way. Don't fight it. Embrace it. Say, look, I knew you were coming. I'm ready for you. And once I master you, it's not if, it's when. I'm going to be a completely different person. I'm going to be stronger, ready to take on challenges. For instance, when COVID came out, I made a pack with a good friend of mine. I don't know if you know Joe DeSena, but he's CEO of Spartan. And Joe said, Shay, we join us for a phone call every morning at 4.30 a.m. I said, heck yeah, I'll join you. So we do this phone call every single day, seven days a week. And then after the phone call, we do 30 burpees. <laughs> and I hate burpees with a passion. Hate them. I'm not doing them. Yeah. But I tell everybody, embrace the suck. Like, I know if you start off your morning with something that absolutely sucks, your day will just get better as it goes along. It can't be any worse than this. So go ahead, start your morning, do something that sucks, and the rest of the day just sails by. And You know, oh, go on. No, that's it. 
I was just thinking that's so interesting because we're always taught to do the exact opposite, you know, like get your mindset in a place of happiness and fulfillment in the mornings and like what you want to focus on. And you're saying, no, like hate your morning because then the rest of the day is going to be pretty fantastic. Oh, I mean, and to give you an idea, and again, hopefully nobody's judging me by my parenting skills, but I try to teach my kids how to be competitors. You know, I've taken my daughter on a run and not try to hurt her just – she does cross-country track. She's a really good athlete, and I hope my boys learn to be as competitive as she is. But she also deals with some self-confidence issues at times. And we started running one day, and she goes, Dad, I don't want to run. I can't do it. I said, okay, we'll go easy. I made her run every hill in our neighborhood. We ran out of our way to run up every hill. And as we're running up the hills, oh, my God, Dad, how much further? I said, babe, we're almost there. I can see the top. I'm completely lying to her the whole time. Yeah. Completely. She's in tears. She's crying. But she's just building herself up. When we finish, she said, hey, do me a favor. Look at my watch. Look at the pace. You just ran your best race pace running a course that is harder than any course you will ever run this season. She PR'd the next race. And so these are things I do with her to intentionally get her used to being uncomfortable. And again, this is a very controlled environment. I monitor her heart rate, all this stuff. But I just want her to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so many people are not used to intentionally stressing themselves. And so when life truly does stress them, they freak out. So if you introduce stress into your life every single day, you become numb to it. It doesn't bother you. You actually feed off of it. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's good. So the first time you hear something, it's interesting. The second time you hear it, you're like, Oh crap, there's a pattern. The third time you hear it, it's relevant. The fourth time the universe is like, Hey, figure this shit out. Right. Yeah. Um, and I feel like maybe it's just the theme. I don't know what's going on, but I think this was my fourth time hearing get uncomfortable this week. So Shay, pretend you're my coach right now. If I'm like, I want to get uncomfortable, but I'm not doing burpees, there's there's a level of uncomfortability that I'm willing to take on right now. And burpees is not one of them, my friend. Uh, <laughs> um, what are some things I can do to get uncomfortable? Wall squats. Are you familiar with those? Oh, those are fun. Okay. So like I my mean, they're son, not. Yeah. So like my son for his 10-year birthday two weeks ago, I, we did a five-minute wall squat. We did 10 minutes of continuous planks, one minute for each year. We did 10 minutes of continuous lunges. He was not having fun. <laughs> but we're talking all the time. I said, hey, bud, how many 10-year-olds are doing this stuff on your birthday? So many people are eating ice cream. They're just, imagine this. You know, you're doing something none of your friends would do. And that's something I do every year on my birthday. Do something that challenges you. And so I think wall squats are phenomenal. And, you know, make it a couple minutes longer than what you've ever done before and try to build up to it. Well, that would be a whole minute. (laughs) (laughs) I know what they are. I didn't say I did them. Um, No, I've got a big background in dance. That's And I tried the Ironman, not the Ironmans, but I tried to run once. Um, It was miserable. Um, (laughs) I found that, you know, like you said, you know, you go all in on that thing that is just enough uncomfortable that it pushes you and that you can really dive into it. And I found... Mine was and always will be dance. And it's interesting because some of the best dancers, they get the technique, they get how to do it, but 
It's what they do outside of the studio that makes them the most powerful. And so that's kind of what I'm hearing is like, go back to foundation and go back to the foundation that sucks, but is still in alignment with your path. And I think that that is such a beautiful, beautiful message. And I am going to do a wall squat and I'll tell you how long I made it. It's been a while since I've done one. Um, (laughs) So I look forward to sharing that. Um, What other advice? Let's say, take me back to the darkest day, like the day where you were like, you know what, this whole life thing, I don't know if I'm loving it right now. You know, and when here's some things too, like in my life, for instance, getting burned is just one of them. Um, four years ago, my two-year-old daughter almost died. She mm-hmm. had complications from a febrile seizure. She was seizing for two hours, aspirated, induced coma for eight days. And I'll never forget, you know, watching them try to intubate her, drilling a hole through her leg to get IVs in her. And the whole time I'm following the ambulance to the hospital, I just kept praying. I said, God, I don't know what the future holds for me right now. Just give me the strength to handle whatever it is. That's all I asked for. Just give me the strength to deal with whatever the outcome is and make the most of it. And as soon as we walked into the ER at Vanderbilt, it's almost like the surgeon knew. He came up and he said, look, I just want you to know your daughter's been getting oxygen the whole time. No brain damage. She's going to be fine. And I spent the night with her every night for eight nights in that hospital. But I would still exercise every day inside PICU. Mm -hmm. I was doing wall squats, lunges, planks, (laughs) right beside her bed. And then finally, uh, five days into it, I was able to go outside. And I kept telling myself as I was running that every step that I was taking I was pumping oxygen into her body. And it kind of just lifted all that burden off my chest. And so it's kind of one of those things for me. It's I try to really focus on what I can control. The other things I can't control, I try not to worry about it too much. I mean, it's hard to say you just don't worry. But it's a different level of worry. Like I trust in God. I trust that whatever happens, I'm going to make the most of it, you know. And I feel like it's up to me to channel positive energy and not let stress and anxiety take over because I truly believe that if you start sending those kind of signals to your body, your brain will bring more of those kind of things to you in life. Like I'm a big uh, believer that if you focus on positive things, your brain will constantly look for positive things around you to reaffirm your beliefs. And likewise, if you're a, a negative or like some people like to say a realist, but let's be honest, nobody ever says they're a pessimist. They just like to say I'm a realist. But I believe if you really are somebody that's pessimistic by nature, your brain will look for things daily to reaffirm your beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And what that is um, from a scientific level is uh, we have this thing in the back of our brain above our spinal cord called our RAS, our reticular activation system. And at any given time, we're given around 2 million bits of information per second. And our brain then distorts, generalizes, and deletes the information because it can only consciously hold like 7 plus minus those 2 bits per second. So when you activate your RAS, it sends that signal to your brain to only look for those things. And then it becomes the pattern, the the habits, you know, your behavior, your physiology, all of that shifts from that moment. So when you say every step I'm taking... I'm doing this to flood oxygen to my daughter. 
you know, then it, it becomes more powerful. And those energies, they just can't be denied. And then you start searching out all the ways in which this oxygen can go to her. And maybe some of it is, is mental, but everything is mental. And so it comes down to, well, whether it's true or not true, it doesn't matter. It's only what you believe as above, so below. Everything is projected. And I think that that's just such a powerful, powerful reminder for all of us about, you know, even as we go through this COVID, as we go through a lot of us are losing our entire businesses and jobs, and there's just so much uncertainty in the world. You know, you find that thing that you're certain about, and then you play up to that, and you believe in that, and you build on that. And through that is how we all can heal each other. I believe that 100%. Shay, I'm sorry, I was going to say, you know, just to add on to that, but I believe it's also surrounding yourself with people that also think the way you do as far as seeking positivity and challenges out there. That's why you and I were attracted to each other as well as Jack Daly and all these other people that they help you reconfirm your belief system. Yeah. Yeah. And that was exactly where I was going with that is, you know, what's that next step for people? And it really is surround yourself with the people who believe what you want to believe. We have a shark in the program and she's very, very spiritual um, Christian woman, mama of adorable children. And we had this conversation yesterday, you know, cause you, you got to communicate no matter what it is that their belief system is, you have to approach these conversations from their standpoint of belief system. And we came down to choose your amen you know, are you going to amen what God is calling you to do? Is that where you're going to place your power? Or are you going to place your power on what the devil is saying that you can't do? Because you're going to place your power somewhere, place it on the most opportunistic place that fuels you, and then surround yourself with the people who are doing what it is that you need to be doing on that path. And that's what I'm hearing from you. And I just, I absolutely love it. Well, we believe it. We live it. Um you know, it's not an act to tell everybody if you want a dose of it, please come to our house anytime. And we'll be happy to introduce you to some sessions downstairs in what we affectionately call the pain cave. Uh, <laughs> all of my Ironman training is physically in my basement. That's so cool. And can I, uh, on the show notes, I, I have a place for a link. Um, you'll have to send us some photos or some videos and we'll put that link out there. Absolutely. And if they follow me on Facebook or Instagram, I've been posting my morning burpees yes. so they can watch the videos with me at 5 a.m. is when the burpees start. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're, <laughs> you are a true inspiration to all of us. Master of resilience. I'm beyond delighted you were on the show. I will put that link in the show notes. And uh, who knows? Maybe one day I might get around to the burpee. I'll start with the wall squats. But the burpees, like, we got we got limits, right? <laughs> right. Maybe step. We got to build yes. up here. Hey, but so, on that, seriously, there was a, a woman, an amputee with one leg at the end of what was called the death race. She had to do 3,000 burpees. She did them. It took her nine hours, but she was the only person willing to stick it out to do 3,000 burpees. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> know your limits is how we're ending this know your limits i'm out on that one uh, uh where can they find you what's your instagram and your facebook handles so that way they uh can find you yeah so facebook is uh shay sq that's s and a q it's the phonetic spelling of my last name 
And then on Instagram, it's Mr. Shea, S-Q. And then they can go to my website, Shay. Then my last name is ESKEW.com. Perfect. And I will throw all of that into the show notes. Um, I'm grateful for you coming on the show. I know the Sharks got a lot of value out of this. You're dropping some major value bombs. So thank you, Shay. And for all of you driving to work or getting into the office today, we love you. We're grateful for you. And we will catch you next time. Thanks. Thank you.